without any further ado, I want to, to bring you into a word now which is quite relevant for the, uh, the, the time of year. Uh, January 2013, the year of the snake. If you believe in such things, is the year of the snake, according to some folks. To some people, 2013 will be the year that they celebrate the International Year of Statistics. That's going to be a party. Who's with me? International Year of Statistics. We're going to be raving on that one. Uh, <laughs> but for others, this year will be something else. 2013 might be the year that you graduate from college or graduate from university. Could be the year that you uh, buy your first house or welcome your first child into the world or your third. Will it be the year you launch a business or embark on an OE? Will it be the year that you get married? Will it be the year you get your first uh, job and a career or nail a major promotion? Or will it be the year when you retire from the workforce? What are your goals this year? Do you have any goals? Is it the year that you'll do exactly what you did last year and the year before? Setting goals in your life, at least as a principle, is good. It's a good thing. It signifies that you want to move, you want to grow. But not all goals are good. Stephen Covey, the author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, commented, it's incredibly easy to get caught up in an activity trap in the business of life, to work harder and harder at climbing the ladder of success, only to discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. If the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us faster and faster to the wrong place. Promotion, advancement, achievement, acquisition, evolution, growth, these should be adjectives that we have in our life. They should be good adjectives, but ultimately they aren't always. The question is, what are you being promoted into? Who does your achievement honor? What are we evolving or growing into? Is it something of eternal significance? Or is it just a fleeting glory that will die with our short mortal life? Are the ladders we're climbing leaning on the wrong walls? Walls are directions, they're destinations. They're the fulfillment of the goals in our life. Goals are wrong when they lead us away from God and his plan for us. Another analogy is found in the global economic crisis of recent times. A new phrase that entered economic jargon in the last few years is toxic assets. Toxic assets are one of the factors contributing to the trouble that banks faced. The assets were loans. Somebody owes the bank money. Normally, banks want, to want people to owe them money, and they pay interest on them, on the principal. But as the economy crashed, especially with 
mortgage foreclosures in the States, many of the loans became liabilities to the banks because the houses that secured the loans decreased in value below the amount of the loan. So when assets become harmful to your bottom line, they are no longer assets at all. They are liabilities. They are toxic. Toxic assets are not just a banking phenomenon, though. Toxic assets can also be spiritual. A toxic asset is anything we think is an asset, but it is actually hurting us spiritually. And there are lots of things that can do that. A house or a car or a PlayStation can be a toxic asset when it takes over your life and pushes God to the periphery. A job can be a toxic asset. Money, education, family, friends, these can be great assets in your life unless they become your priority and push God aside. When we live for them and not for him, they are toxic and they are killing us. Goals as well, goals too can be toxic when they lead us away from God and his plan for us. Almost as bad as toxic goals is no goals at all. No goals reflects no desire to change, no desire to grow, and so we stagnate. We get stuck in a mire and nothing changes. We're stuck in a rut that draws us no closer to God, no closer to the vision that he has for us. God has said that he knows the plans that he has for us. If we believe that, do we care? Do we have any interest in the plan that God has for us? Have we done anything about seeking out that plan? Or do we just sit back on a default and go with whatever seems good to us? This is what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk about ladders, about goals, and about priorities. If you have scriptures with you, will you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we will begin from verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown on the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm, uh, I'm only 35, uh, but in the years that I've had so far, I have experienced most of the anxieties, most of the troubles that people seem to face uh, in this world. I've faced the pressures of a, of a broken home and an absentee father, of alcoholism, of uh, trying to succeed through school and university, trying to find work and succeed there in the pressures of employment, I've faced and am facing the financial pressures of, of a mortgage and uh, the escalating bills of an ever-increasing family, the worries of loved ones who are sick and dying. I've experienced these things, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be more things around the corner. But what I've come to understand when I've faced these circumstances is that Anxiety and worry comes from an absence of faith. And they are the enemy of faith. We can't help but worry when we don't understand who God is and put our faith in that. And I wanted to start with that song before because I wanted that to be our, our meditation, the foundation for the rest of this message. The truth that God is faithful is what all of this sits on. We worry because we don't grasp that revelation that God is faithful. What that means is he comes through. He fulfills everything that he has promised to do. When he's made a promise, we can trust that he will deliver on that. And when we do really believe that, there is no room for worry there is no room for anxiety because faith snuffs it out. It covers all of that. We can't worry when we understand who he is and trust in that because then we see that he is bigger than any problem we could ever face. He is the solution. The tragedy for us is that it takes it takes very hurtful, painful situations to lead us to that truth most of the time. It would be so convenient if we could just listen to what our parents told us as kids. God is faithful. You can trust in him. Oh, okay. Thanks, mum. <laughs> Good, I'm set. If only we could grab that truth as children and hold on to it forever, I think we would miss so much of the tragedy we face. But no, we don't. We walk away from him. We forget who he is if we ever knew. 
And so the path to find him, the path to find his faithfulness, ends up being quite painful. But in our circumstances, in our pain, in our tragedies, there we find he is the one constant, the one that won't let us down. We can't help but worry because we don't understand who God is and what he is capable of. We can't help but worry about money, about health, and how we're going to get through the next 24 hours when we don't put our faith in the one who has the means to provide for us and lead us through our circumstances. And so because we don't have faith in God to guide us and provide for us, we have to do it ourselves. And we're very good at that here in a Western, predominantly Western nation like New Zealand. The underlying spirit of this country is the pioneer spirit. You set out on your own. You forge your own path. You take care of yourself. Self-sufficiency is a huge value in our country. Doing it on your own. Finding a way. The number eight why mentality of just making it work and finding a way on your own. We take pride in that. But it wasn't always the way here. Because there was a culture existing in this place before Western civilization came here. And there were values that, uh, for the large part, we have missed and left behind, which I think we need to reclaim, because they are kingdom values. And those values, they're not about self-sufficiency. They're about communities looking after each other. They're about a village existing together to take care of each other's needs. A whānau, a hapu who care for each other, and we all play our part, and we take care of each other. That's kingdom. That's the same with the body of Christ. We each play a part. We each have something to bring. And in that, we find that God is faithful. Because God doesn't always give us personally everything we need, but he gives some of it to our brother and some of it to our sister. And when you bring your basket and you bring your basket, together we can feed the people. That's the way it's supposed to work. But because our mindset is self-sufficiency and we'll do it my own way, if God doesn't give everything directly to us, if we call to him, well then obviously he's failed us because we want God to work our way rather than getting on board with what his plan is. God is faithful, but we don't always see it because we're looking the wrong way. So we try to take care of ourselves. And because we've got the wrong paradigm, we miss it constantly. He is faithful, but he wants to work his way. And so money and security and career, they have become our priorities because we don't trust God to provide for us. We make our family our priority because we don't trust God to take care of them or take care of us. We can even make ministry our priority because we don't trust God to build his own church. In Matthew 7, we read, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The first and greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love God with your all, with all that you have, with all that you are. 
he must be first. He must be the priority. If we put anything else first, then we have set ourselves up a false god. And we are idolaters. Jesus himself has promised us if we put God's kingdom first, he will take care of the rest. But we need to seek him and we need to trust him. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, there is already a path marked out for us. We don't have to forge our own way. There's already a path, the best path. God has a plan. This is the best plan. But is that the course that we're running? Or have we marked out our own course with our own goals? The ultimate goal that we are running towards, that we are running for, is Jesus. He is the prize. He is the destination. And if we keep our eyes fixed on him, it becomes that much harder to be distracted by the traps and the temptations of this world. But it's when we take our eyes off him because of the worries of this world that we lose sight of what's really important. In Luke 12, verse 13, we read, Someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? Have I no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Have no doubt, God wants us to work. In fact, he has commanded us to work. He wants us to be diligent. He wants us to persevere, but not for material possessions, not for earthly success or the glory that you can find in this world. Success is not evil. Possessions are not evil. Money is not evil. But the love of these things is. And that is the difference. Ambition for our own glory and not for God. That is. And be sure, the fact that I work for a church does not make this any different to me whatsoever. Pastors can have ambitions that are just as selfish as any job in the marketplace. Pastors and even entire churches are constantly running up ladders and achieving goals that have nothing to do with God's will or his glory. 
And I am just as likely as anyone here, if not more so, to be distracted and bound up in a snare that can be financial worries and the mortgage or an addiction or an ambition. But here's the thing. If I am the same man 12 months from now that I am tonight, I have failed and I have thrown away a year. If I'm the same guy believing the same things, doing the same things, I have thrown away all the opportunities and the resources that God has given me. And 2013 was a waste. God loves me for who I am. He loves me as much as he could ever do right now, as I am. But he also loves me too much to let me stay who I am. Because when he looks at me, he doesn't even see me. When he looks at me, he sees his beautiful, glorious son. And that is, I think, how he can love me as much as he does. He doesn't see the filth, the corruption that is still in there somewhere. He sees what Jesus brought on the cross. But because he is so faithful, he is going to stick with me every day to lead me into that as a reality. So it's not just a spiritual thing that he sees. I become more and more every day like Jesus. That is his plan for me, and it's his plan for all of us here. So tonight, the, the, what I want to ask all of us to do is to take some time. Um, we're going to cut off a bit of time now to do a personal inventory. I want you to ask to do some soul searching and have a look and ask yourself some questions. First off, that reflect on where you are now. We're at the beginning of the year. We've got the whole year ahead of us, and I'm sure we've already thought about some goals we want to set ourselves but we need to lay those goals under this first goal. Who do we want to be in Him? As children of the living God, who do we want to be? So there's a few questions I want us to ask ourselves, and then I wonder if we could start looking at setting some goals so that at the end of this year, we are not the same. We have grown. Because if I'm not maturing, if I'm not evolving more into the likeness of Christ, and I'm throwing away all the blessings and opportunities he's trying to give me. Clay needs to be a different man, a better man. And we all do. So tonight, I wonder if you'd, with me, take some stock. And I want to do this as well. And I want to look at these questions. How would you describe your relationship with God? Tonight, right now, how would you describe your relationship with God? And I expect that what we put down to that would be, every one of us would have something very different. And when I say put down, what I mean is write down in your journal or on this piece of paper, which we're going to hand out now, I want us to actually do this and actually use tonight as an opportunity to take some steps forward. How would you describe your relationship with God? How would you describe your connection with God's family? For me, the first one is the most important in our relationship with God. But the second one is incredibly important as well. And as I've preached a number of times before, God's plan for us was not just us and Him individually. 
God created us for community. He created us for the body of Christ, to be a part of his family. That means our relationships with each other are important. So our second question is, how would you describe your connection with God's family? The next question in our personal inventory is, how would you describe your impact for God in the world? Now that question is there because I believe that God has given us all gifts, abilities, resources that he would see us use to make a difference for his kingdom in the world. God's building a church, and that's awesome, but he's looking to do something even bigger than that, and that is grow a kingdom across the globe. He loves and cares about every person on this planet. He cares about the people that you live next to, the people that you work with, the people that you play with. So the question is, how are we, how are we using the gifts, the resources, the time that we have to bring his grace to them so that in some way, because they know us and because they have us in their lives, they are somehow closer to God. All right, our personal inventory. How would you describe your relationship with God? How would you describe your connection with God's family? And how would you describe your impact for God in the world? That's where we start. That's where we are tonight. But then we look out, and this is, we're really seeking God for this. How would you describe the relationship you would like to have with God? Do you want to feel his presence more than you do? Do you want to have a more engaged prayer life? Do you want to find more of him in the word? Is there a spiritual gift that you want to see open up so that you can connect with him in a new way? How do you want your relationship with God to grow? And what is one thing that you can do this year to help you realize this vision? I personally believe that God needs to lead this process. The answer to these questions, we really want him to give us. So when we spend some time, I want to get the band just to play some nice theme music in the background just to help us relax and just focus on him. And the song's going to be, this is my desire. Uh, Lord, I give you my heart. Um, I live for you alone. I just want this to sit in the background as we seek him to ask these questions because we want God to lead us to him. What is the one thing you can do this year to help you realize this deeper relationship with him? Number two, what is one way you feel led to grow and express your love for God's family here at The Rock? And the last one, what is one way that you feel God leading you to have a kingdom impact uh, in the world this year? You can put down as many things as you want, but I believe if you put down one thing, that'll make it easier just to start doing something. I want to start doing something different tomorrow because of my time with him tonight. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to, I'm going to pray with you and uh, then we're just going to take some time to seek him and put something down on paper in your own journal or we'll pass around some paper. Does everyone understand what I'm, what I'm doing here, what I'm asking? Okay. And are you into this? Is this cool? Oh, we're doing it anyway, so... All right. Lord, I thank you. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you're always with us. Thank you that you will never lead us, leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. And I pray, Lord, tonight for a fresh revelation of that, that you are faithful and we can trust in you. We can trust in you to provide for us. We can trust you to provide, lead, and guide us, Lord, 
along an amazing course that you have for our lives. But we need greater faith than we have for that now, Lord. So I pray that you continue just to reveal to us how trustworthy you are. Lord, I pray that you would just be sowing in us, Lord, just our passion for the things of your kingdom and that our love for you would surpass our love for anything else. Lord, we need miracles to be happening in our heart and in our minds tonight to take us to this place. But Lord, for, for myself definitely and for my brothers and sisters here tonight who want more of you and truly want to, want to be following the path that you have for them, Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice tonight. And as we seek, Lord, goals and vision and the journey for this year, I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate the steps in front of us, that we would see what our next steps are. I pray that your voice and your word, Lord, would illuminate and be the lamp to our feet. I pray we would have clarity now that would discern spiritually as you just download to us now what your plan is. And you'd give us the boldness, the courage, the faith to step out into that. Lord, that you would give it a, a, us a vision of ourselves that is greater and more loving and more Christ-like than it is right now. Show me who you want me to be. Show us, Lord, who you would grow us into. In Jesus' name. So, Lord, we just pray now, yes, your spirit just manifest itself in this place that would feel and would hear you as you lead us forward, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.